patience. It was rather late. Well past ten o'clock, however, the thin strip of sky that was free from clouds still glowed in a bluish twilight. It reminded me how far away from London I was. Edinburgh was so far north that on these midsummer nights the sky never went completely dark. The air felt oppressive, unmistakably announcing a heavy storm. Indeed, the skies broke as the carriage took me back to Edinburgh's new town, and I congratulated myself for having called a cab instead of riding. I had recently leased new lodgings on the very fine Great King Street. Sumptuous and comfortable as my Georgian townhouse was, I could not yet look at it without wincing a little, for I had been forced to rent it from one of the most despicable characters in the city. Lady Anne Ardglass, appropriately nicknamed Lady Glass, because of her notorious drinking. I stepped down from the cab, swiftly opening my umbrella. The rain glimmered around the golden light from the street lamps, lashing my face as I saw a single light coming from one of the first-floor windows. My young brother was still waiting for me. I would delude myself, thinking he'd be worried. I knew he wanted all the gossip. Mr. Frey, Leighton cried from the door, do walk out that wretched rain. He was already at the entrance, bidding me in and taking my drenched umbrella, coat and hat as soon as he shut the door. May, there is a downright tempest out there, he said with his stiff, Kentish voice. Leighton was my new valet. Forty-eight, his body long and bony, and with an aquiline nose, he always reminded me of an overgrown fire-poker. The man had served my Uncle Morris for more than ten years, and before then he'd served some of the finest households in London. Now, much like me, he detested his new situation in Scotland. Unfortunately for him... I was so pleased with his presence, I would not let him go any time soon. He was efficient, well-mannered, and mindful of the etiquette. Most importantly, he knew exactly how I liked my clothes and my morning coffee. With his refined training, he was entirely the opposite of my former housekeeper, Joan, whom I had recently lost to McGray's Blasted butler. I hope the affair did not trouble you exceedingly, he said, as I changed into more comfortable footwear. Exceedingly is not descriptive enough. Why, I am sorry to hear. Oh, sir, would you like to keep this? He was showing me the now crumpled envelope, handed to me by Mr. Stoker. I would not, but I must, I replied, taking it from him. You may have already seen that Master Elgie is waiting for you in the smoking room. Shall I bring you some supper? Indeed, something hearty. I am famished. I climbed the mahogany stairs, relishing the slight sense of leather and bergamot I'd come to associate with that house. 
For the past few months I had learned to embrace the little pleasures of refined life, the warmth of the fire on a rainy day, the scent of a good glass of brandy, my brother playing his violin on Sunday afternoons. As I stepped into the little smoking room, I regarded it as one of the most civilised spots in Edin Bloody Borough, as my father calls it, with its dark oak panelling, a small marble fireplace, a fine bearskin rug and three leather armchairs set around a mahogany table that was usually overladen with books, cut-glass tumblers, violin strings and stacks of sheet music. Elgi, the youngest of the four Frey brothers, was lounging in the chair farthest from the fire, perusing the pages of a shabby tome by Harrison Ainsworth. He was a slender chap, about to turn nineteen, although his wide blue eyes and blonde curls made him look younger, and everyone in the